1611 Defense Podcast. My name is Kyle Kiker. This is Evangelist Mitch Knup. We're going to start off talking about the love of God. Brother Mitch, tell us a little bit about the love of God and that relation to sinners. Well, when you look in the scripture, uh, there, uh, there seems to be a discrepancy about what the world believes today. When they have the word love and unity, and it's spread out all over the world today, and there's nothing wrong with either word, but when you uh, look at that word love and unity, and you leave out the word truth, then you've got a problem. A quote that I read many years ago, well, not many years ago, 1983, in Brother Jack Chick's book on smoke screens, said that, uh, love and unity has been uh, stretched and misinterpreted these days because love and unity without truth is whoredom. Now, that's a pretty strong statement. Mm-hmm. But when you, uh, when you grew up in the world like I did, you know that's how you uh, influence a young lady as you tell her you love her. And, mm-hmm. of course, uh, that leads to other things which are are bad, but you can't have biblical love and biblical unity without biblical truth. It's impossible. And the Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, uh, a lot of times we get laughed at for making a numerical statement in the Bible or, or an acronym. But you look at that King James Bible in John three sixteen, and the wording of that verse uh, will spell out gospel in that 16th verse, G-O-S-P-E-L. And the modern versions, of course, mess all that up. But uh, it's almost like God knew what he was doing when he wrote the Bible. And of course, I'm being facetious, but the fact is that he did know what he was doing. And God is a God of numbers. He's a God of letters. Uh, They ask Jesus Christ, how knoweth this man letters having never learned? The simple part of that is he is the letters and he's the word. John 1, 1, if you got the right Bible. But... uh, When God wanted to demonstrate the greatest love that could be demonstrated, God knowing that in Genesis chapter 22, the first time that the word love or lovest is used in the Bible was in relation to Abraham and Isaac, his son, according to what the Bible said, thine only son. Yep and God's point of view. So mm-hmm. uh, when he wanted to show uh, uh, the truest love between a father and a son, why Abraham was agreeing to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Yep. So the first time the word love is used, it's used in relation to a type of Calvary. And yep. of course, we know that God uh, substituted uh, Isaac, uh, a ram in his place, and God had that plan, but he was uh, showing the world that Abraham would obey him uh, even if it meant sacrificing his own son. And of course he didn't, but God Almighty Jehovah did. And when God wanted to display to the world his absolute undying love, he manifested himself in flesh because God is a spirit and he cannot die. He came down here in the form of man that he might show the world uh, the greatest love that this universe has ever seen. And uh, when he came down here, he took on the body of flesh that he was able to bleed. He was able to sweat. He was able to be hungry. He was able to feel pain. Yes, sir. He knew what it was to be tired. God, those things, even though God, the theological word is uh, anthropomorphic expression, is when you attribute to God human uh, emotions or human characteristics. God still, to understand what man was dealing with, came down here in the form of a man, Jesus Christ. The Bible calls it his son. 
So when God wanted to demonstrate to mankind the lovest, the, the, the greatest love that uh, any man could ever show or God could show, he did it at Calvary. Yeah. Greater love hath no man than this, than that a man lay down his life yes. for his friends. And uh, if you are listening to this podcast, Jesus Christ died for you. He shed his blood, God's blood. That was God, he was God manifest in the flesh, shed his blood to wash away your sins. And he's offering or has offered the gift of eternal life to you. And, uh, and the sad thing is, Brother Mitch, is people will reject that gift. Yes. For whatever reason, uh, it, pride, who knows, they want to keep doing their thing. I don't know. Well, that but was it, me. That was yeah. me 18 years before I got saved. And my problem was S-I-N. Sin. I enjoyed my sin. And I knew yeah. that if I got saved, I would have to change some things or God would have to change some things. And that's exactly what happened. But when I got saved, I didn't give up anything. God took it and gave me tons more yeah. than what I ever gave up. See, that's how the devil fools people. The yeah. wiles of the devil. The greatest wile of the devil is wait a while. Wait yeah. a while. You, you're young. You've got plenty of time. But yeah. you know today, they're dropping dead young and they're dropping dead old. So yeah. you don't know that you've got another hour, much less another day. Yeah. But thank God that you know I, God took that deception of Satan away and let me see the truth. And I've never regretted it, Brother Kyle, not in me 48 neither. years. Me neither. And it's uh, this time of year is hard on a lot of people from Christmas time till really till Valentine's Day, uh, there's a lot of suicides that go on. Yeah. and uh, But God gave his only begotten son so that you could go to heaven. Uh, and so we just wanted to let you know that before we got into the, into the uh, topic that we're going to be going into. Uh, so if you're lost and don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. Uh, if you wait, tomorrow may never come. That's right. And Brother Reddish, the assistant pastor at my church, he says there's a lot of promises in the Bible, but tomorrow is not one of them. That's right. He's and, absolutely uh, correct. Tomorrow will come, but we may or may not be a part of it here. <laughs> yeah, there's an old saying that uh, you may tie your shoes in the morning when you get up, and the undertaker may untie them at night. Yeah. And that's true. It's like the Old Testament. Boast not he that putteth on his harness. Boast not he that taketh it off. Yeah. And that's how that's how short life is. And that's a reality. And uh, when God birthed you into this world, he gave you the pr most precious gift this world has ever seen that a human being can possess. And that is a living soul that never dies. That soul that's just like your body is going to live somewhere in eternity. And yeah. that soul could be required of you today. It was the rich man. He said, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. But he didn't yeah. know that that night his soul was required of him. And so God gives you and me a living soul, something that never dies. Now the question arises, what are we going to do with that living soul? And yeah. God gives us a will. He gives us a free will in spite of what Calvin and Augustine taught. And uh, it's our responsibility to prepare ourselves for eternity and make sure that we trust Jesus Christ, our Savior, so we'll go live with him eternally and rule and reign this universe with our Lord and Savior and not go to a lake of fire for eternity. Yeah, so... If you have questions on your salvation, uh, you can reach us by email or reach me by email, kiker1611 at gmail.com, K-I-K-E-R 1611 at gmail.com. Uh, and if you have questions on that, please don't wait, ask. So um, let's get into the, the other subjects for today, Brother Mitch. We want to cover... Uh, a lot of stuff that deals with Valentine's Day and love and charity and the stuff that goes on this time of year. Yeah. Uh, we're going to cover agape and phileo. Uh, we're going to cover love and charity, if the Lord permits, and end with the history of Valentine's Day. So that's what's on the schedule. 
Brother Canup, give us a little bit of the overview of the traditional teaching of agape and phileo. Yeah. Well, agape and agapeo and phileo are two different Greek words, and uh, they're used in uh, all over through the New Testament. Uh, they were used by the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were also used by the Apostle Paul. And uh, the tradition says that in John chapter 21, that when Jesus Christ was talking to Simon Peter, and he says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And it's been you know debated about who the these are he's talking about. Was it yeah. these other disciples, or do you love me more than these disciples, or do you love me more than these fish, or do you love me more than your nets and your boats? And, of course, all of that is applicable. But the fact is, I believe that he's talking about the, the do you love me more than these disciples because he went fishing with them yeah. and wasn't serving the Lord. And, of course, he was out there on that boat, and uh, the Bible said he was naked. And I don't believe yeah. he was in his birthday suit. I believe he just didn't have a shirt on. That's the reason I believe a man as well as a woman shouldn't go around without their shirt on. But anyway, that's another subject. And uh, you said, well, you're big and fat. Well, I used to weigh 155 pounds and was a distance runner, could run a sub-five-minute mile, and I still didn't go around without my shirt on. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But the fact is... We'll, we'll leave all that alone. We'll leave all that alone. That's for another subject way on down the line somewhere. <laughs> but anyway, if you look at a standard work and uh, on this, and, you, and a lot of times you go to churches and you hear preachers want to get up, and they don't think that they're casting aspersions upon the King James Bible, but they're, they're doing it. They claim to believe that the King James Bible is the word of God. But what they're actually saying is over in John 21, that there's two Greek words used there. When Jesus Christ asked Simon Peter, lovest thou me, that Peter uses the wrong word. He uses phileo, which is a casual love, instead of the word agape, which is an absolute love, an absolute uh, affection, you know, not given anyone else. And uh, I've heard preachers get up and preach on that, and people just ooh and ah in the congregation. Well, what that preacher's not telling you is that word agape, that intense love, that, that affection, and the word phileo, uh, which is a casual love, are used interchangeably uh, throughout the New Testament by Jesus Christ and by the Apostle Paul. So all of that don't hold water. But what they're actually telling you is the English of the King James Bible is not adequate enough to give you uh, what the Bible says. The same thing with it is finished, uh, telestalai. Uh, it is finished. What's what's better than it is finished? If something's finished, it's done. I don't need a Greek word to emphasize the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross. Yeah. I was going to say, let's break it down a little bit. So yeah. John 21, verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith that, verse 16, he saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verse 17, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. So verse 15, Jesus uses agape. And then Peter uses phileo. Same thing in verse 16. Mm -hmm. Jesus used, Peter, do you love me? Agape. Yeah. Peter says, yes, phileo. And then 17 uh, Jesus, that you know, depend on who you read after, whatever. But, but uh, Jesus says, Peter, do you phileo me? Yeah. And then Peter says, yes, I, I, you know, I phileo you. And he was grieved. Yeah. And, and one, I believe one commentator said they was grieved because Jesus used phileo. Yeah. Well, it says clearly 
uh, Peter was grieved because he said unto him, the third time lovest thou me. Yeah. So it was the repetition. And when Peter said, the third time lovest thou me, there's no, you know, Peter's not calling the distinction to agape versus phileo uh, from the looks of it. No, he, uh, no he's not. Anybody that's a Bible believer knows why Jesus Christ asked him three times. Peter yeah. denied him three times. Yeah. And reason why Peter was grieved is because he knew that what Jesus Christ was doing. He knew yeah. that Jesus Christ was making him confess before men, before those disciples, that he did love Jesus Christ. Because three times before the maiden, before those that were by the fire, first of all, Peter was there warming himself by the devil's fire, which he shouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. And secondly, Peter was there at the door so he could go in and out at his convenience. And the fact of the matter is, uh, when, G when Peter came on shore and he looked down and Jesus Christ had fish uh, baking on the fire or roasting on the fire, uh, that's exactly what he thought about the last time that he had seen a fire and where he was at and what he did. So Jesus Christ purposely asked him three times so that he would confess before men that he loved Jesus Christ because three times he said, I don't even know him. And then he cursed and he swore. Yeah. Peter said, you don't believe me? And he conjured up some of the old fisherman words that he used to use. And he cursed and swore. I, I, I know a preacher that said, a uh, Tennessee Temple graduate, an older gentleman that said, Peter didn't really do that. He called down a curse upon himself. I said, man, that's ridiculous. He cursed and swore so that he could convince that maiden and the others that stood by the fire that he did not know Jesus Christ because he is scared to death he was getting ready to suffer the same fate that Christ was after saying, I'll go with you all the way. And all the rest of the disciples did too. We always criticized yeah. Simon Peter, but all of them said that they would go with him all the way and never, uh, and never deny him. And all of them forsook him and fled, Brother Kyle. And, and I'd have done the same thing more than likely if I'd have been there too. It's uh want to give you two aspect, two ways of looking at the lovest thou me more than these. Once we get done expounding this, then we'll jump back on the agape phileo yeah. uh, train. But as, in verse 17, it says, uh, lovest thou me more than these? Um, and he said unto him, no, here we go. Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said to him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. So in 17, um, or when it says, lovest thou me more than these, uh, that's verse 15, excuse me, verse 15. So, um, more than these, who are the these? Do, lovest thou me more than these? Yeah. So do you, do you love me more than you love the disciples? Or do you love me more than the other disciples? Yeah, like more than the other disciples. And right. here's here's the clue into that is Matthew twenty six thirty three, um, uh, thirty one says, "Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. After that I am, but after that I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee." Peter answered and said unto unto him. Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Yeah. And so, though Famous all these people, <laughs> though John, everybody else be offended, yeah. I won't be. And that's a dangerous thing, saying that you'll never do something. Yeah, uh, that's that's a very dangerous thing. And the Bible talks about that we ought not say we're going to do this or that, but if the Lord will, yeah. we will do this or I've that. I've learned that in sixty-six years. Don't ever say. That'll never happen to me, or I'll never do that. Yeah, because uh, anyway, yeah. Without the Lord, we're vile and very. Yeah, he very told wicked. his own disciples in John what fifteen. Without me, he can do nothing. Yep, that's the same thing to us. 
I couldn't get up in the morning and put my shoes on if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ because he gives me the strength to do it. Yeah, and he upholdeth all things by the word of his power. Yes, he does. And this happened, this chair, these molecules happen to stay intact. Yeah. And uh, the nucleus and the atoms and the, the, the nucleus is staying around the atom. Or, yeah, that's I, it. It's been a long time since I've had chemistry. I might be misstating that. <laughs> but it's not just all falling apart, okay? He, he upholds all things by the word of You think it's power. been a long time for you. <laughs> Try 1972. That's, a, that's when I took chemistry. Uh, oh, my. Chemistry <laughs> was not my thing. But um, So uh, back to agape and phileo. What about some other times in the scripture where agape and phileo are used? So if the standard teaching that agape is this unconditional God love and phileo is the... Uh, brotherly love, like yeah, Philadelphia, brother. for yeah. example. Um, if that is a uh, a rule for the Greek that the Bible was written in, the Koine Greek, and you also have a distinction between classical Greek and Koine yeah. Greek. And using a classical Greek rule on Koine, Koine Greek doesn't always work. And so that's kind of where this thing kind of leads into. Yeah. So... Um, I've got, and Brother Sam Gipp has a, uh, he teaches and preaches this. He's got some good material material on it. He's got in his book, the answer book, Appendix 1, um, he's got a comparison chart with, let's see, 10, with 25 verses, um, and it, he tells whether it's agape or phileo, and you can see how crazy this thing is. I'll, I'll give you some examples um, Matthew 23, 6. Brother Mitch, if you'll help me out and turn there, I'll go to Luke eleven forty three, And we're just going to cover a, couple, a few of these verses uh, just to drive the point down that they're interchangeable with, with the Greek that backs the Word of God. Okay? So, Matthew 23, 6. I'm going to flip over to Luke eleven forty three. 43. Okay. Now, this is talking about loving the uppermost rooms at feast. Mm -hmm. uh, Brother Knup, if you'll do, go ahead and read Matthew 23, 6. And love the uppermost rooms at feast and the chief seats in the synagogues. Now, would that be, be agape or phileo? If you love seats, yeah. love to have the preeminence, that sounds like phileo instead of agape, right. if that rule is, a, is an actual rule right. and not some figment of somebody's imagination. Yeah. Or a classical Greek rule or whatever. So well, it depends on how much Greek you take. I mean, yeah. you know, James White's the poster boy for 2 Timothy 3, 7, ever learning and ever able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, uh, you know, the, uh, the more Greek you learn, the less Bible you believe. That's a general rule. No. Um, so the one that Brother Mitch, Brother Knup just read is phileo. So it didn't really work that time no. for what we're saying. But let's do a cross-reference. Luke 11, look at verse 43 in the King James Bible. Woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye love the uppermost seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets. Now, that, if that rule is an actual rule for the scriptures, not for Plato or Aristotle or any of those guys, yeah, if, it's a rule for, if it's a rule for the scriptures, then that looks like it would be phileo as well, but yeah. it's not. It's agape. How about that? And so there's a little bit of a... Let's go to John 5. John chapter 5. And we're going to be... Uh, we're going to have to do this in about two or three three different segments here. So we're going to cut out maybe after this one and then we'll come back. So John chapter five, I got to figure out where I'm at. Um, John chapter five, Brother Knuff, you want to read verse 20? John five twenty says, For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. Now, with that being said, do you think that the God loves his son in a just a phileo deal, if that rule is correct? Mm -hmm. Or is it agape, like everybody says? Well, that is phileo. God's love for his son in John 5.20 is phileo. How about that? 
And so let's uh, let's put a hold on that. Uh, yeah. We our our camera runs out after thirty minutes, mm -hmm. so we're gonna we're gonna stop here, and then we'll come back for part two. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the sixteen eleven podcast, the part two to Agape Phileo Love Charity and the history of Valentine's Day. Now, as we were saying, we were talking about uh, that agape and phileo are interchangeable when it comes to the Greek behind the King James Bible. And we just got done covering John chapter 5, verse 20, where it's talking about the love of God to his son, and that that is phileo. Uh, so we're going to cover a couple more. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Just going to look at a, a few of these here and give you an idea uh, as to why the standard teaching is totally erroneous there. So, John, uh, Titus chapter 3. I got a, well, you already beat me there, yeah. Brother Knup. How about reading verse 4? But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. I'll go ahead and read verse 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So, verse 4, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Would that be agape or phileo? Well, if the rule that is stated from John 21 is a rule and covers throughout the New Testament, then that would be agape. Yeah. But it is indeed phileo. God's love for man, when it appeared, phileo. Yeah. Uh, and we could go on. Uh, let's cover at least one more, Brother okay. Mitch. Let's cover John 16. Let's flip to John 16. And if you want to... If you want to know where more instances are, um, like we said last time, Brother Gipp's book, the answer book, the first one, he's got multiple ones out now. Uh, it's a appendices, appendix one. So John 16 and verse 27. I'll let Brother Knup read that one again. 1627. Yes. Verse 27, John 16 says, For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. And loving there, I'm not sure if it's both or just one, but at least one, and I think it's both, is phileo yeah. in John 16, 27. So let's transition. We've talked about the love of God to man. We've mentioned multiple times that it's phileo, and I believe there's quite a few times it's just that it's agape as yeah. well. But that's the standard teaching. We didn't have to cover those. You've already heard that most likely. We're just giving you the, the, um, the other side of it. So brotherly love, let's flip over to Romans chapter 12, and we'll see if this is agape or phileo with brotherly love. We'll cover a couple of those, and we might have a trick one in here. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, the Bible says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Now, would that be agape or phileo? Well, if the standard teaching is correct, it would be phileo. phileo. It is phileo. Uh -huh. It is. So, all right, well... What we're saying really, that doesn't really back us up, although we said it is interchangeable. So let's go to the next one, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I told you you might throw a wrinkle in there. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. It can be interchangeable. 2 Thessalonians 3, and look at verse... Uh, I hope I wrote this down right. I believe I wrote that down wrong. Which one? I believe I did. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 16. Okay. Don't you hate it when you make notation errors on yeah, your notes? Yeah, I do. That's frustrating. Well, I thought you were perfect, but now it's a disappointment. <laughs> oh, man, just ask my wife. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm glad she loves me. Yeah, she loves me too. despite. Yeah, mine too. 47 me. years now. <laughs> Amen. Uh, prudent wife is from the Lord. First Corinthians 16. I'm getting brownie points. I'm gonna have yeah, her listen to yeah, this podcast. Yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah, that's right. First Corinthians chapter 16, and let, let's look at verse 24. Uh, 23 says, "The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen." Paul's love being with the Corinthians. That's brotherly love. Yeah, it is. Now, if this rule is true to the Bible, that would be phileo. Yeah. But it's not. It's agape. How about that? So we just ruined uh, probably over 60% of uh, Valentine's Day banquet messages. Yeah, you've got that and right. And that, that may sound prideful, but... I've heard this my own self. I've been to a banquet and heard this preached, and I think the guy had good intentions. I th- I don't think he was trying to you know be some you know trying to undermine the word of God, but that's what you, that's what that's doing when somebody tries to pull yeah. from Greek to try to better explain the English. You can get in big trouble. And. What were you just telling me, Brother Knup, about John 21? Well, especially when you refer to a corrupted Greek manuscript from Alexandria, Egypt, which is what the classical Greek is, uh, you know, and that's what's used for the modern versions. But the point that's being missed here, and I don't know why preachers are intent upon trying to bring out these differences in phileo and agape or agapeo, why they try to do that to impress the congregation, I guess, but they're missing the the, the greatest point is that what we said earlier, Simon Peter denied Jesus Christ thrice. So Jesus Christ made Simon Peter confess him that he loved him uh, three times. And Personally, Brother Kyle, I think the Lord was pretty easy on him. He didn't make him do it before the multitude of wicked people that he denied him in front of. At least he asked Simon Peter to confess him and profess him his love for him three times in front of his own disciples, people that knew Peter and loved him and not a bunch of heathen out there by the devil's fire. So I think the Lord, just like he is on me, just like he is on Brother Kyle and any other uh, child of God, or for that matter, any other human being, if he gave us all what we deserve, well, needless to say, we'd be in hell. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have made it out of my teenage years. But uh, God didn't give us what we deserve. That's what mercy is. Mercy is what God shows us because we don't deserve it. Uh, when I was a lost man, I took his name in vain. I cursed him and took God's name in vain. He could have killed me any time, but he didn't because yeah. he knew I did it in ignorance. And, of course, I hadn't said it since I've been saved in 48 years. But the fact of the matter is you're, they're missing the whole point of John 21. It's the fact that when you deny Jesus Christ and Peter was getting ready to be used on the day of Pentecost, And Jesus Christ was not going to use him until he confessed before men that he loved him. Forget phileo or agape or agapeo. Forget that. That's not even the point. The point is that when you deny him, the Lord will make you confess him. And the Bible said, if you deny him over in 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you deny Jesus Christ as a child of God, he cannot deny himself. And we're members of his body. He's in us and we're in him. He cannot deny himself, but he can deny the child of God ruling and reigning with him in eternity. And here's a very scary thing that has to do with that. My shoes are squeaking. Very, very serious thing. When you... And this is, you know, I'm not trying to, we're, we're not throwing names out here. But when a preacher comes up and goes to the whole agape phileo thing. Yeah. And then runs it into 1 Corinthians 13, which is where we're headed next. Yes. Pulling, saying, well, the King James Bible, you know, would be better 
translated if this would have happened. You have what, sort of what Peter was guilty of because yeah. Peter denied the living word. And you've got guys trying to explain the passage of Peter denying the living word and they're denying the written word. Yes. While they're trying to explain about Peter right. denying the living word. And it's it's scary. The, the word of God is not to be tampered with. This is not Plato and Aristotle. This is not Homer's Iliad or the Odyssey. We're dealing with God's words and trying to twist something and pull something out and not following with what the English says, um, you run right past the danger signs. You do, and 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 one of the greatest fallacies that's ever been produced by the devil is biblical criticism. You know who the first man that developed biblical criticism? He did it in the 16 and 1700s. His name was Richard Simon, and he was a Roman Catholic priest. He was the father of textual criticism, and it's been picked up. Westcott and Hort said that the Bible could be critiqued just like any other book. In other words, you could just take the Bible and just tear it apart and take out what you didn't like and add what you did like. That's what they taught, and that's what everybody that follows those two religious heretics, uh, Brooke Foss Westcott and Fenton John Anthony Hort, uh, that's exactly what they're doing today, and they're using the same stinking Greek that it took them 10 years to corrupt in the RV. And folks... Things that are different are not the same. That's Mickey Carter's book. You can't judge Koine uh, Greek in the King James Bible by classical Doric Greek and all the rest of it. You can't do it because they're not the same. As a matter of fact, I talked to a Greek-born Greek that was educated in Greece, and he said Koine Greek went out of use in Greece at 800 A.D., which he didn't have to tell me that. I knew that. And even one of the greatest so-called Greek scholars the, uh, uh, in history that wrote the light of the ancient East said, he said that the Greek of the first century was not the classical Greek that all the translations of the Bible have been printed in ever since. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, and that's one of their crowd. Uh, so, uh, I already knew that. I mean, anybody Bible believer knows that you look at two English translations and they don't say the same. They don't come from the same Greek text or the same Hebrew text. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, Brother Kyle, they're just missing the whole point. The, the point is, if God's going to use us, we're going to have to confess him before men. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, we could go on with that. Um, so we're going to take another break here, and then we're going to go into love versus charity. So until we come back, uh, we'll, we'll take a break. Thanks. Good to be back uh, to the podcast for 1611 Defense. I had a senior moment. I was trying to remember who wrote The Light of the Ancient East. That's Adolf Deisman. He was a German textual critic and scholar and highly recommended by all the Bible corruptors. But he made it plain when the Revised Standard Version, uh, they, they considered what he said when uh, he wrote his book that fact that the Greek of the King James Bible, the first century Greek is what was used, koine, which means common, K-O-I-N-E, was used and not the classical esoteric Greek of the modern versions. Now, I didn't need to hear him say that. I knew that, but 
Uh, apparently a bunch of people don't because Brother Kyle, they're still using it today. They're still using classical Greek, esoteric Greek to bring out the modern versions and they're just as corrupt as a dead pig in the sun. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Brother. <laughs> I could have said worse, I guess. Yeah. Well, so uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. We are going to carry on with, uh, I don't know if this would be part B or C, uh, or like I said, we're having to break it up because our camera will only go 30 minutes. But we're going to transition now to love and charity. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is known by many people who are not Bible believers as the love chapter in the Bible. And in actuality, the word love is, I don't believe it's in the whole chapter. Uh, it's charity. Now, there's a distinction between love and charity. Charity to, in today's world is known as giving stuff. Um, you know, you have charities where you give money and donations and things like that. And that's what we think of as charity. But charity in the biblical sense is more than just uh, giving stuff. Yes, it is. Um, and that can be proven in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verse uh, 3. I'll read uh, a few verses before that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So why do you do what you do? Verse 2, um, let's see, uh, or a tinkling symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And here's verse 3, the part that debunks the current use of charity. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor to get a 501c3 tax write-off, <laughs> and though, hold, hold on, that's not in there. That's not Let in me start there. over. Uh, that's the conversion. And that might I, be in the new John MacArthur, what is it, the LSD well, or what, L? The legacy. Uh, <laughs> the legacy uh, scripture. We'll, we'll have to cover that on another podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Yes, so somebody can give of their goods to feed the poor and even give their body to be burned. That's martyrdom. Yes. Somebody can be a martyr and not have charity and be nothing. That's what he said. So be careful when you hear people saying, well, this person died for the faith. So they were godly, and they you have to listen to what they say because since they died for the faith, then whatever they said must be right. Yeah. And you morph right into Catholicism because when, when there's no scripture to back up a Catholic teaching, more often than not, they'll run to a church father, a church quote-unquote father. Yeah. Um, and other some have referred to him, I believe it was Luther, as the church babies. Yeah. But uh, and I'm not saying that those none of those guys were. I'm not saying none of them were saved. I, some of them probably were. Uh, some of them, I really doubt that they were. Yeah. But charity is not just giving. Now, brother Canup, uh, kick us off with uh, some of the distinctions between love and charity. Well, when you look at what the scripture, the indication of what the scripture says, the, the right scripture, the right Bible, that, and ha that, that hasn't been changed and uh, perverted, then you become uh, to the conclusion, or you come to the conclusion, looking at scripture with scripture, that word, the lo word love is used in many different uh, areas. The word charity is used probably exclusively for child of God to child of God, Christian to Christian, believer to believer. Uh, God didn't say in John three sixteen for God so charitied the world that he gave his only begotten son. He said, for God so loved the world because the world system, those in the world that are unsaved are not brethren. Uh, this old fatherhood of God and brotherhood of man uh, adage that's been around for years and years is one of the greatest lies ever hatched out of hell yeah. since somebody called PTL a ministry. 
The fact of the matter is, uh, God didn't charity the world because the world are, are not his brethren. The world is not Jesus Christ's brethren. Uh, I'm Christ's brother and Kyle's Christ's brother simply because we've accepted Christ as our savior and he comes to dwell in us. Uh, we weren't foreordained before the foundation of the world according to uh, you know, according to Calvinistic press, uh, predestination. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I was ordained before the foundation of the world and elected according to foreknowledge of God not to be a Calvinist. So that's the reason why I'm not. And it's the reason I hate Calvinism and despise it. And I don't, I'm not ashamed to say that. Calvinism is heresy. So it was Augustinianism. And that's where Calvinism came from. But anyway, there is a distinct difference in the Bible from love and charity. Charity has a, an action to it. It's more than just to say, I love you. If I was to tell my wife, I love you, and never treat her kindly, she'd know I was lying. Mm -hmm. But I, I show charity toward my wife, who is my sister in Christ, as well as my wife, for 47 years, I show her charity uh, by being kind to her and providing for her and loving her, you know, and taking her out to eat. And she goes with me everywhere I go. I would rather spend time with my wife than anybody else on this planet. Uh, the, the second probably would be my brother, Eric. But my wife goes with me everywhere I go uh, because she's my wife and she's part of me and we're one in the flesh and uh, she's valuable in the ministry and she helps me and and we have that 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 love for each other that that is shown uh for a married couple but charity toward each other because we're both saved we're both christians mm -hmm. and so charity is love in action not only that charity is love perfected Perfect love casteth out fear. Well, what kind of love is perfect love? It's charity, according to 1 John chapter number 4. So there is a distinct difference between the two, and that's why the King James Bible incorporates charity, and it's why it incorporates love. God loved the world, but he shows charity toward those that believe in him and trust him, and we're to show charity toward each other. Now, he made an excellent point. The world has taken that term and misconstrued it today to mean uh, Salvation Army. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But a lot of people use that and use those things because they're just bums and won't work. The fact of the matter is the Bible said if a man won't work, let him not eat. And the Bible said he that provideth not for his own is worse than an infidel. Mm -hmm. And so if I would say to my wife, I love you, but never take her out to eat or uh, never uh, provide the money to put the food on the table. Well, she'd, she'd doubt whether I really, really loved her. Mm -hmm. But because I show those things to her, not because it's just my duty, but because I love her, that's showing charity under not only my wife, but a sister in the Lord. Yeah. And a lot of times, uh, and this is, I had no plans of saying this on the podcast, one of the biggest ways of showing charity in the society in which we live today is spending time. Uh, time is, uh, you know, a commodity that we all are very limited on. Yes. And spending time, you know, we keep on saying our, uh, you know, a wife. Uh, if you're a lady listening to this, your husband, uh, spending time with kids, uh, buying things and man this is way off topic on the podcast no, no, but for a parent to show their kids they love them it's a lot more than buying them christmas and birthday presents it's it's spending time with them and training them not just telling and correcting but training anyway that's a whole nother subject but the bible says in first corinthians 13 which was uh which was uh a uh, 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 people say pauline boogie is you know, Paul's, um, I don't know if he penned this or not, but it's coming from Paul, 1 Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians. And Paul said in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 13, and now by the faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. 
And uh, boy, there's some uh, numerical things there with 13 and Paul that uh, there's a we could we could go into that. Oh, well, we can't but do that. I, you know how I'm this bunch <laughs> despises well, that. Well, some of these uh, people listen here would be like casting pearls before swine. Yeah, you got it right. And uh, then turn again and and strap them and, under and their re- feet. Turn again to rend you. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, there's a message that I like preaching. I, I sure wish. I, I you know I, I'd hate to have a God that that's anemic. That, that, that that's anemic. That you know that uh, had no power. No authority, couldn't preserve a Bible, you know, couldn't use numbers for his glory, couldn't use letters. For his, I'd hate to be serving a God like that, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you if you read through 1 Corinthians 13, I don't know if I won't, you know, do it here on the podcast, but charity does things and doesn't do things. There's a lot of doing that charity yeah. does. Um, like... Example in verse uh, four: Charity suffereth long. That's an action. That's an action, and is kind. That's an action. Envieth not. That's not doing an action. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. It has to do with actions. Yeah, actions going on. So. Anyway, I know we covered it briefly. Do you want to go further into the love-charity dichotomy? Well, I could look at Colossians 3.14. I think this pretty much nails it down, what the Bible says. And above all of these, he talks about forbearing one another. Uh, He talks about, you know, if any man have a quarrel against any, uh, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And look what he said. We're talking about two brothers, right? Notice this, verse 14. And above all these things, put on charity. Remember what we said just a few minutes ago about perfect love and love perfected in 1 John? Well, look what it says, which is the bond of perfectness Mm -hmm. or perfectness. Perfectness is part of the way it's pronounced. The bond of perfectness. In other words, according to 1 John 4, 18 and 19, perfect love casts out fear. And uh, we've already said that that charity is love in action, putting feet on love, in other words, and you know, instead of this uh, saying "I love you" and showing nothing, but it says here that charity is the bond of perfectness, and this book is perfect, and I'm to show charity toward Brother Kyle because he is my brother in Christ. We have the same Father. We have the same Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And I would show charity toward him and toward a lost man, I would show love because I am a child of God and that that individual needs a savior. Yeah. But uh, charity wouldn't mean uh, giving him a $100 bill, although I've done that. But you know, that. Uh, the fact of the matter is that charity is supposed to begin at home, and that home's the house of God. So, yeah, uh, out of twenty-four verses where the actual word charity, not a form of charity, the first form of it shows up in, I believe it's Romans fifteen. But the first time the word charity is found is, I believe it's First Corinthians eight one. Um, yeah, First Corinthians eight one. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Is, yeah. Edifieth is the end of the verse. But 18 out of 24 mentions, 18 out of 24 verses where charity is mentioned are in the Pauline epistles. Yeah. 18 out of 24. Absolutely. So that should tell us something. Which is doctrine. And, uh, uh, I mean, getting right down to it, it's doctrine for the, for the church age Christian. Yeah. And uh, you, uh, you uh, talking about casting pearls before swine, you swine don't listen to this. 1 Corinthians 13, get, look how many times the word charity shows up. Nine times. Nine times. Fruits of the Spirit. Got some fruit going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. And so it's almost then, like God wrote the Bible in it. Yeah, and then somebody's going to say, well, Tyndale didn't use charity in 1 Corinthians 13. Well, that's okay. God wasn't done purifying his words when Tyndale came along. Exactly right. Tyndale did a great praise the Lord for Tyndale, but God wasn't done with the purification process, and I'm glad he wasn't because yeah. now we get 1 Corinthians 13 and it's charity. Yeah. And if there's ever a time when we need it expressed, the charity for our brothers and sisters in Christ, it's now. Uh, this, in the back end of this Laodicean church age. 
Yeah. Uh, we need it. We need that distinction now more than any time in the history of the Christian church. Yes, sir. So with all that being said, um, let's transition to the history of Valentine's Day. We're going to leave you on a sour note. <laughs> well, maybe we can turn it around and leave it with a good note. Well, for some of them, this whole thing's been sour. <laughs> well, yeah, that okay. Well, that's we're just trying to put out the facts. So uh, the history of Valentine's Day, uh, my church is having a sweetheart banquet, and there's a, there's a reason we're calling it a sweetheart banquet as opposed to a Valentine's Day banquet. Uh, we talk about Rome a lot on the podcast because Rome has a lot of corruptions going on. Yeah. And anybody that knows the history of a lot of the holidays we have, Christmas and different ones, knows that Rome has, uh, has uh, really mutilated things when dealing with the history of, of the holidays. So, uh, Brother Knup, how about giving us a, a brief history of how Valentine's Day got going and... Then we'll wrap it up here. Well, when you had two saints, uh, called saints, Christian church age saints, but you got to watch your sources because yeah. everything that's called Christian is not Christian. Yeah. And everything that's called Catholic is not Catholic. One of the greatest uh, examples of that is St. Patrick. Yeah. St. Patrick was not a Roman Catholic saint. He was not even Roman Catholic. He was an Anabaptist. And the Bible said you take the tomb of the prophets that you've killed, you garnish the sepulchers. That's one thing Catholicism's always done is taking someone they're impressed with and making them a Catholic saint when they're not a Catholic at all. To win you, the locals. Yeah, to win the locals. You've got to understand that Catholicism was morphed out of uh, pagan Rome, all the pagan Roman gods, when pagan Rome morphed into papal Rome then they took all the false Roman gods and made them saints and commanded that you pray to them. I don't pray to anyone but Jesus Christ. I don't need a mediatrix. I don't need Mary to go to the sun for me. If Mary in heaven today knew what was going on down here, supposedly in her name, you think it'd be heaven for her? Absolutely not. This kid, this Todd Burpo kid said when he had that vision when he was four years old that he went to heaven, he said, there was the Virgin Mary up there with the th by the throne of Jesus taking care of him like she always did. And I said, that'll dupe about a billion Roman Catholics and they'll believe that yeah. stuff. And uh, I had even some Baptists that was impressed with that. I said, man, what's wrong with you? You, bet, you got a Bible. But yeah. anyway, the and, fact uh, that she wasn't a virgin after after she had Jesus Christ, uh, or she or she'd have still sinned because she wouldn't have rendered due benevolence under her husband. Well, she had to get purified anyway. Yeah, and we did. could go on and on. So yeah, go I ahead. mean, just believe the Bible, folks, and just believe the right Bible. It's got all the answers. You say, well, it don't tell you how to rebuild a three fifty Chevrolet engine. No, but it'll tell you what to do when the wrench slips and you hit your knuckles on the engine block, it'll tell you what to do and what to say and what not to say. I grant you that. But the fact of the matter is, uh, who would have invented such a thing anyway? <laughs> Certainly. But folks, we're talking about spiritual things, not carnal things here. And the fact of the matter is, uh, uh, I, am, I, don't, I don't go by the rules of Rome. Uh, Christmas uh, was no more December 25th, the birth of Christ, than than, than when I was born. And I was born September the 10th, 1955. And Jesus Christ was born on the Feast of Tabernacles. It had to be late September, early October. The shepherds were still in the fields abiding over their flock. They didn't in December. Uh, so that we all know where that came from. And uh, so there's no argument about that. We know Ishtar, Easter, the Feast of Ishtar, Herod, that's why it's used in your King James Bible, because Herod observed Ishtar. Yeah. And that's why Acts the, 12. Yeah, that's why the Bible yeah. makes distinction. That's not an error. That shouldn't be Passover. It's exactly what God made it if you're a Bible believer. Now, if you're a Bible corrupter, then you got problems. But the fact of the matter is, whether those two men named Valentine, whether they were Christians or whether they were Romans, they were adopted by Catholicism as saints. And in 496 AD, Pope Gelasius, he declared February 14th as Valentine's Day, Saint 
St. Valentine's Day. Now see, Kyle and myself, we didn't have to wait to somebody to have a church canon or a church council to declare us saints. I'm not interested in what any pope, priest, cardinal, bishop thinks about my sainthood. The day I trusted Jesus Christ yeah. as my Savior, July the 9th, 1974, immediately I was made a saint. Immediately. Yeah. And so was he when he got saved. I didn't have to have anybody to pray over me to see if I did a miracle before I become a saint. I've been a saint now for 48 years. I don't need any man's opinion. I've got what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 and Romans 1 to declare that I am a saint. You said you always act like it. No, I don't always act like it, but I am. That's a fact of the matter. And so is he. And if you're saved, you are. You don't have to have any uh, priest to declare whether you're a saint or not. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, you're a saint. You've got Old Testament saints. You've got church age saints. You've got tribulation saints, which are not church age saints. The church is not going through the tribulation. Yeah, and there's and, they're and not, millennial there's, saints. And they're not all uh, saved exactly the same way either. Exactly right. Well, you didn't went over that with Brother Walker, did you, I guess? We we did we hit it a little bit. I was uh, out of town and didn't get to sit in on that, which uh, I'm sorry, but uh, Brother Walker, the man's brilliant, brilliant. So yeah. do you well to listen to those two podcasts. Yep, they were uh, they were fun. So, yeah, it, so the history of Valentine's Day, there's a lot of uh, different uh, ways of telling it after when looking it up there's people that say this and say that and there's they seem to be conflicting there's people that say it was a catholic priest saint valentine's there was three different saint valentine's and mm-hmm. legend says this and it happens to be the uh the roman ruler claudius ii he was ruling in the third century yeah i believe he only ruled for about a year and a half mm-hmm. So how could there be Catholic priests when on a on a pagan Rome ruler? Yeah, that's I mean Constantine hadn't come on and and yeah. and changed things up. So the histories that you see on wherever uh, you just gotta kind of sift through it. But yeah, when you see the word when you see the word Christian, you better take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, because yeah. everybody that calls themselves Christians are not Christian. And that's, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's just, I mean, you take, see, see the Russellites, falsely called Jehovah Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists will say we Bible-believing Baptists are idolaters because we worship on Sunday, which is a is Roman day, the birth of, you know, the commemoration of Saul, the sun god. No, I worship on the first day of the week, the first day of the week. The first day of the week is the Lord's day called Sunday by the world. Uh, what are you going to do? Throw out your calendar? Every month of the year is named after a Greek or Roman god. Every day of the week is named after a Roman or Greek god. But the Puritans had an issue with that. Yes, they uh, did. Why, Brother Kyle? Because we're in the time of the Gentiles. Yeah. And will be until the second advent. We've been in the yep. time of the Gentiles since 606 B.C. When, when Nebuchadnezzar took Israel into captivity the two southern tribes, and we'll be in the times of the Gentiles uh, uh, until the second advent. And that is why our time, Pope Gregory was the one that was come up with the calendar. I think it was in 1572. Yep. So we're under the times of the Gentiles. We're under Roman rule. Rome was ruling when Christ came the first time. They're yeah. going to be ruling when he comes back the second time. And uh, and he's, he's not going to uh, be coming as... Uh, he's as he a lamb necessarily. He's going to be coming as the lion yeah, of the tribe, tribe of, Judah, of Judah, and it's going to be a bloodbath. He's not going to be riding in to Jerusalem on the foal of an ass. He's oh. coming in with a white stallion. Yeah. And like Jack Wood used to say, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back, and boy, is he mad. Yeah. So anyway, I guess what we're getting at here is, uh, without going into it, you know, learn not the ways of the heathen, um, Valentine's Day has roots that are very, 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 very pagan and very, um, uh, what would be the word, lustful and fornication. 
yeah. with a pagan holiday, and then you've got Cupid in there. And one one person said that Cupid uh, had to do with uh, with how we have uh, cherubs with the Christian conception of cherub. Yeah, and that's about as dumb as I don't know what because it's it's you know Lucifer being a cherub, not an angel, and anyway. You got the wings and all that. Why are we even talking about well, this on the podcast? I, 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 uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm very nervous when they start talking about Lupercania and and making that Saint Valentine's Day. That's that's wolf. That's a celebration of the wolf. And I remember a song called "Hungry as a Wolf." You know that is not good. And uh, and you know what a wolf does? This has a little Red Riding Hood. What a wolf does? Yeah, and, and it's connected with Rome. Yeah, uh, Romulus and Remus and yeah. all, all that. Just you know what Adolf Hitler's name meant? Noble Wolf. Noble Wolf. I want to tell you something. Well, the Lord gave us a time of reprieve and letting us win World War Two, and yeah. so now we our we can continue to preach, preach the gospel. And which is the Antichrist is not in power yet, and uh, the rapture hasn't happened yet because I'm still here. Yeah. And so we uh, that was a really interesting way of describing the history of Valentine's Day, but we'll just leave we'll just leave it at this. Don't believe everything you hear. And it helps to know church history whenever you go, go to hearing people talking about Catholic holidays. Yeah. When uh, the Pope says one thing, check I'll him go, out. I'll go the other direction. What was it Peter Jennings said, Brother Grady's one I heard this from. Peter Jennings said if you hear a theory uh, a rumor that your mother loves you, check it out. Yeah, get the documentation for it, yeah, because yeah. People, uh, Jesus Christ looked at the Pharisees, John 8, said, you're the, your father, the devil. He was a murderer of the beginning and abode not in the truth. When he speak of the lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Yeah. And he said, which of you convinced me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God, heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. That's the lowly Lamb of God that come riding into Jerusalem on the fold of an ass, attempting to set up the kingdom. He looked at the religious world of that day and said, you're nothing but a bunch of liars. You say, why? Because that's what they were. Yeah. And that's what religious people are today. They're a bunch of liars. Christians, no. Religious people, liars. Yeah, well... There you go. Um, I guess we'll conclude with that. To uh, sum everything up, we are we are closing things down here. Uh, whenever you uh, look at John twenty one, forget the whole agape phileo stuff. Look at the yeah. context. Yeah, look please, at Peter's history. Please forget that. Look what's happened with Peter. Look what he did before. You don't need agape phileo because it, that's not a rule anyway, not with Koine Greek. And love and charity, it's, you know, go with what the English says. So thank you and have a wonderful Valentine's Day. <laughs> you ought to quit. <laughs> well, thank y'all. We'll, we'll catch y'all in the next one.